0: morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Poonam, and I'm a partner with Me Sandhu CPAs. Uh, if you guys remember correctly, I think last time I was here with um, Jeff at the Jeff Gurley show where he interviewed me. He's our client of ours for many years, and he, he decided that him and I should go ahead and do a show. So I am back with my own talk show called Tax Bites with Poonam. And I have been thinking for the past few days as to what exactly should be my topic um, when I do this show, the very first show of mine, okay? So then I decided either I should do maybe retirement plans or I should maybe do what earnings should look like or maybe tax planning or how do we do the tax preparation? So, after thinking about it for the longest time, I thought maybe I'll be very simple and do a simple 1040 with you guys today. Because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has to file a tax, uh, a tax return. And then we have lots of questions as to whether we should hire a CPA or we should either go with a TurboTax. So I think I'll just go over with the simple 1040. I have picked a 2022 tax year because we are still doing that. And then uh, we have filed extensions and some people have already filed extensions and they are looking for a CPA to do their tax returns. So the first and the foremost thing that comes up is uh, who should file and what is the status we should come up with. So many times we think that, okay, we do not have enough income and we don't have to file a tax return. But then you have a W-2 where you have some specific federal withholding going on and then you want to get that money back. And then you're like, whether should I get that money back and file or should I let just let it go? So the rule of thumb is if you have an income um, based on your status, being a single, married filing jointly, married filing separately, head of the household or a qualifying surviving spouse, your standard deduction has to be um, smaller than what your income is basically. So you call the tax professional or you go to TurboTax and you kind of decide. So my recommendation to you guys is if you have a W-2 and you're getting some money back where you have some federal withholding going on, you should go ahead and file. If that's something, you can do it by yourself. And if you want to go and um, take some help with the tax professional, then you have to make sure that what the money you're getting back, covers the fee of that tax professional so let's go let's go through the first page of a 1040 so if you look at the 1040 for uh, for the year 2022 the first and the foremost is what status you pick whether you're a single you'll be single if you're never married or you're single if you're divorced at the end of the year okay married filing jointly is if you are married, that's married filing jointly, or your spouse died within that year before December 31st of that specific year, you're still married filing jointly because he was present in that particular year. And the next year is when the surviving spouse hits. Now, married filing separately is when you and your spouse are married, but you want to show your expenses separately. So that's married filing separately. Now, head of the household is really tricky with people who are married, but maybe then they are divorced and they are keeping, um, according to the divorce decree, one, one um parent is keeping the kid for one year, the other parent is keeping the kid for another year. So they alternate the years and then they take the kids as dependents. So one year, one parent would be head of the household and the next year the other parent would be head of the household. So basically whosoever is providing more than half of the support for that kid and the kid is living with them and they're dependent, they can claim the head of the household deduction. Okay, then following through, you put your name, your social security numbers, your addresses and all that, and you come on to the dependents. Now, every time, um, it's always a question as to if the kid is a dependent, especially when they're younger, that's very easy to figure out. But what happens when they go to college? Now, some people, some of my clients would be like, you know, the my kid is in college, he's 19 years old, and he's not living it by, with us, but you're still providing half of the support if you are providing the tuition for that kid or if you are providing other living expenses, even that person or that kid is not living with you, you would still claim the kid unless and until your son or your daughter becomes independent amongst themselves. So for the child tax credit, it's only until 17 years when they're 18, they become an adult, you can still claim them as a dependent, but then you don't get the child tax credit exemption of $2,000 in 2022 that you had, uh, versus you would have a $500 um, deduction where that person is your other dependent. Now, can that just be only a child? No, that could be your relative. That could be your parents as well, as long as you're providing more than half of the support, then you can claim them as a dependent with $500 credit. Now, sometimes what happens is the kid does not have a social security number. You moved from India, you came here, or any other part of the country whatsoever. So you came in and you don't have the social security number. So kid doesn't have a social security number. Instead, you have an ITIN. So you can still claim that kid your daughter or your son as a dependent but instead of getting a child tax credit of two thousand dollars you would get five hundred dollars but still it's better than nothing now if you go down uh, let's focus on the ten forty one a total amount from forms w-2 so that's basically your income you get you know you work for somebody you get a w-2 you have box one gross wages you put it there now That's very common, and most of the people are on W-2s. But what about the household employee? You know, sometimes you keep a maid or you keep a nanny. So, and some of my clients would be like, you know, we are paying her, and then do we have to issue a W-2 in the end? And my answer is, it depends. It depends how much she's earning. If she's earning more than $2,400 in 2022, yes, you have to give her a W-2 and you have to have a FUTA tax withheld. And I'm talking about state of Texas. Now, that household employee wages needs to be reported there. If he or she would have a W-2 or any other form of an income document, whether maybe a 1099 if that person is not working under your premises or maybe you have somebody and you're dropping the kid off to that nanny's place. OK, then there is a tip income. The the waitresses or the waiters who work in the restaurants. so they have some tip income that's reported on the W-2. So that specific t- tip income goes under 1C, OK? And then mostly that's pretty much what most of the people would come up with. Any other wages than the W-2 would follow from 1A to 1H, OK? And then once that is done, you made a total of from 1A and when 1H, and that is your total income earned. Now, after that comes tax exempt interest or taxable interest. Now, if you have a checking or a savings account in the bank, you have a CD or you have any other investment that's going on in stocks and bonds in Fidelity or Edward Jones where you are in earning interest on your investment, that interest needs to be reported as a taxable interest. The next line is qualified dividends and qualified and ordinary dividends. So, now what are those? Now, for example, if you have investments going on and those are growing every year, then you would have some kind of a qualified and an ordinary dividend that needs to be reported on the 2022 or, as a matter of fact, on the 1040. Now, once we hit a retirement age, we have a uh, which is like 15. after 59 and a half, you have to have an IRA distributions taken out. So you hit that point where you're like, it's mandatory you take the distributions out, okay? So those IRA distributions are reported on a 4A, but sometimes you need money even prior to that. So you still report it there, but then you pay tax on it plus 10% penalty. So then you report those distributions plus the taxable amount whatsoever it would come up with. And most of the times, the biggest issue is once you are retired, you need to take that money out in order to survive. And then some of the elderly people would think that we don't have to pay tax on it, which is wrong, because when you're withdrawing on it, you have to either have a federal income tax withheld on that proper form that you get, the 1099R, or you have to make an estimated tax payment. So every time you have that withdrawal coming in, I would suggest sit with your tax professional, a CPE, and tell them that you're gonna be having this IRA distribution of about 60,000 this year. And then do you want me to withhold the tax? Do you want me to tell Fidelity Investments or Edward Jones or anywhere that your account is for them to take the 30%, 25%, 20% out so that you're not paying that much in when the tax return is due? Or you can figure out how to make an estimated tax payments and we can help you with that, okay? And then comes the social security benefits. So you get you retire, you get your social security benefits, you put there and then it would calculate how much the taxable amount is going to be. Now, the next thing that comes up with is capital gain and losses, which is our favorite topic on Schedule D. So what happens is most of the time when the taxpayer or the client sells the house, they are panicking, oh, I sold my primary residence, I'm gonna have a taxable event, I'm gonna have a capital gain. So when you're selling your primary residence where you have lived for, uh, out of the five years, you have lived two years there, you have established a nexus. You do not have a tap capital gain or a loss. Um, If you're married filing jointly, you have a 500,000 gain exclusion. If it's single, then you have a 250,000 gain exclusion, but it depends what kind of gain exclusion, how does that work? So let me explain. So you have a cost basis when you bought the house. OK, so that's the cost basis of when you bought, actually bought the house a few years ago. And then you made few changes to it. You did improvements, you did repairs, something gone wrong and all that, and you have to keep track of it. Those things and those improvements are added on to your cost basis. And then whatever amount that you sell it for, so that sale price minus the cost basis is your capital gain and loss. And if it's less than 500000 that's the gain exclusion you get. So hence, no, no gain. No loss, but what if it's a rental property? What if it's your other home that you're not a primary residence? Then you have a capital gain, okay? So that needs to be figured out. Again, a tax professional can help you. And if you you ever have a capital gain and loss happening, I would highly suggest to get the tax return filed with the CPA and not do that yourself because there might be some loopholes which you might miss or maybe the cost basis has to have improvements added to it to reduce your gain and increase your loss. Okay, and then there is an other income. So what is other income? That's for basically businesses. If you do not have a W-2, you would have other income. What is other income? That's a Schedule C. So for example, some of the times when you are like, okay, I wanna go into my own business, but I really don't want to file a separate tax return for the business. So then you would have a Schedule C. You follow, you get a formation done for an LLC, and you have a single member LLC going on. You give yourself a revenue, or maybe an income and a 1099 and maybe a corp to corp, and then you have some expenses. So we report that there under the other income after going through you know, the revenue and the expenses and whatsoever your net earnings are, okay? So that is your other income. Now I'll go through the net earnings portion a little later. Now my favorite topic of this 1040 is adjustments to income because that's something when we are filing with TurboTax, you tend to miss. And that is why you end up having a higher taxable income and a higher tax bracket. And when you continue doing that, you come into a glitch where after two, three years, you'd be like, okay, I'm owing lots of tax. I needed professional help. And then when you, a CPA like me or somebody else would come in and we look at it, we're like, okay, we need to go back and amend your three, four years because you have been paying a lot of tax for those years, the way you could have done less. So adjustments to income, what are those? So basically, you have health savings deduction going on. If you have an HSA with your W-2 or any other that you're doing that needs to be formed on Form 8889, you have a student loan interest going on. Now, remember, I I told you earlier about the other income. There's a self-employment tax of 15.3%. That is a deduction which is adjustment to income. Then you have an IRA deduction where you can do a traditional IRA deduction of $6,000 if you are Um, less than 50. And if you're over 50, I think you can do $7,000. And then there is a SEP IRA. Remember, if we go back, I was talking about the other income and I said, I'll come back to the net earnings. So those net earnings are that if you have a revenue and an expenses, you can do actually about 25% of those net earnings to SEP IRA and take a deduction there to your adjustments to income that decreases your taxable income. So, that's basically what the adjustments to income is. So, that brings you to adjusted gross income. That is your AGI, which you must have heard CPA saying, okay, what is your AGI? So, that is your adjusted gross income. Your income, the whole income that I went through from 1A to 1H, then your tax taxable interest and your qualified dividends and your pensions, your IRA distributions, your social security, your capital gains and losses, your other income. Everything brings you to adjusted gross income. Then it's your standard deduction or itemized deductions. I'm not going to go over a whole lot under itemized deductions because nowadays what's happening is lots of people are under standard deduction because property taxes are capped at 10000 No matter if you're living in higher cities, be a Frisco, Plano. Lots of people have bigger houses, you know, but they are paying like about seventeen thousand to eighteen thousand in property taxes. But they can only deduct up to ten thousand because that's the limit. And then if your standard deduction is in twenty twenty two, I think about twenty five thousand seven hundred nine hundred dollars. That's twenty five thousand more than you cannot really have an itemized deduction up to that until and unless you have a huge charitable contributions going on. Okay, so most of the people does come under a standard deduction. And then if you look in the 1040 line 13, qualified business income deduction. And that's something which most of the people miss. Now, if you have a W-2, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really uh, bother you. But if you have a business and there is an other income going on, when I say business, remember the single member LLC and the Schedule C I talked about? If you have an income there, you have a qualified business income deduction going on, about 20% of that other income, which is revenue minus expenses going on there. And if you really do not click in the software that it's a qualified business, You're pretty much going to miss it. And that's what happens when you do your taxes by yourself, because once the client comes to me and I'm going through and I'm doing the tax planning and the preparation, I'm looking at the previous year return and I'm like, okay, there you go. He missed this $12,000. He probably didn't even know. So that is the biggest deduction, you guys, because you need to follow your 89, 95 and see you got that deduction because that's basically your adjustment to the taxable income. So with that comes on line 13, and then you add the 12 and 13, that's your taxable income. So that is basically your base. So you started from all that and you hit the line 15 of your taxable income. Okay, so now once we reach the taxable income, we are coming up with tax and credits. So now what happens is most of the time, the clients would be like, oh, last year I had lots of credits. This year I don't have any. Why am I owing this much and I didn't owe that much last year? So it again, it depends. So now let me go back into tax and credits line 17 and it's other amount from Schedule 2 line 13 and the child tax credit or the other dependents. Okay, so Tax credits. So what kind of tax and credits we have? We have a foreign tax credit. Um, basically, if you have invested in any stocks and bonds, you have a foreign tax credit listed on your 1099 Schedule B and a consolidator that you get from your Fidelity or Edward Jones. So that's your foreign tax credit. Or sometimes what happens is if you are a resident of some other, even if you are a U.S. resident or a citizen of uh, U.S., but you still have properties in other states, be it India, Ghana, or anywhere else, Bangladesh, anywhere. And then you wanna sell those properties. So you go to India, you sell those properties and you pay tax over there, okay? But because the US taxes you on your global income, you when you are a resident of the US and a US citizen, you're supposed to actually report that income here in the US tax return. So when you come back, you're gonna show on Schedule D, like we talked earlier, that what your cost basis and sale was, and then you have to report that foreign tax credit. You have to take that credit because you can't pay over in India and here, double. So then whatsoever you gain is you have to deduct the foreign tax credit from there and actually take a credit. So that's something which you might need a tax professional help because that's a little tricky to do. And you wanna make sure that comes comes up there. Okay. And then the next is a child tax credit. Mm -hmm. So what is that? So if you have a pre-K, if you have a kid who is less than five years old, who hasn't started kindergarten yet, and is going to um, a preschool, then whatsoever you're paying gets deducted there. It's about $1,200 for two kids, six dollars per kid. Again, depending upon your adjusted gross income, because if it hits a huge margin, if it's not at the threshold, then you might get less. But you always have to hold on to that customer statement that you get for your kid in order to get that child and dependent care expenses and show it on um, uh, form 2441. And also um, the other child and tax credit is for the 2022 that you get. You know, if you have kids who are less than 17 years old, you are getting $2,000 per child. Okay. Then you add the line 19 and 20, Now what comes under, what is the other taxes? So that's your self-employment tax that I talked about, 15.3% on your other income. So then line 24 shows your total tax. Mm Now let's talk about payments. So what what exactly is the payments? So if you are going on a W-2 and that's your only income, it's very cut and dry. You just have a federal income tax withholding, that's what you put in there and that's all. So some people will be like, why am I paying more? Because your income is more. And if you do not have your federal withholding, up to 25 to 30%, you're gonna end up owing a whole lot in the end. So that's your Bible right there, how much your federal income tax withheld is getting. If your net income, net check is bigger, then you're gonna maybe owe in the end when you file your tax return. If your net check is a little smaller, then it's easier to get that done and not pay a lump sum amount when you're filing your taxes, right? Okay, so then, Going further, other forms, and then you're adding those lines together. Now what's form 1099? So that's also the tax if you get withheld from form 1099, some people would like to do that. So instead of paying an estimated tax payments, they'll get 1099, they will have the employed withhold some tax on it. So then that way they have that estimated tax paid right from the beginning, okay? So the 2022 estimated tax payments, uh, applied and from 2021 tax return. So sometimes we have a carryover, which is going on from the previous year. So we put that there on line 26. And also if you have made any tax estimated tax payments in this particular year for the next year. So that's something where you get a credit for that. Okay. And then that comes in and... To be very honest, I think the American Opportunity Credit has basically vanished. I haven't seen that happening in 2022 most of the time. And um, so when you all add all that, those are your other payments and refundable credits, okay? Now I do wanna mention a little bit, if I go up on tax and credits about other taxes, now sometimes what happens is, these are not explained properly, but if you go on to a Schedule 2 when you're filing on your 1040, you'll see a self-employment tax, but then you would see also some of the people who are on W-2, they would be like, I do not have a self-employment tax. Why do I have this other tax sitting on this box of line 23? Mm-hmm. So that is two things. That's your additional Medicare tax. So you know how the Social Security hits at 147, 800, and then that's how if you have a huge earning going on more than 250000 you hit um, a threshold of additional Medicare tax where are up to that amount. If you have a 2 wages of 250000 you don't have an additional Medicare tax. If it's above that, then you have to pay 0.09% of that specific amount. And that's what the tax shows up there on line 23. Okay, so that's something which sometimes my clients ask me, what is that tax? That's additional Medicare tax that needs to be paid. Now, we already went through the payments. Now we come to line 34 where it shows whether it's overpaid or underpaid. So you go to your total tax minus your payments. If you have made more payments than your tax, obviously you'll have a refund. And if it's vice versa, then you might end up owing. Okay, so that's basically what your 1040 kind of looks like. So I would say to sum it up, if you have lots of rental properties and um, selling of the stocks and capital gains and selling of the rental properties is going on, I would say go to the tax professional and get it done. If you have lots of tax and credits which you really don't know how to handle, go to the tax professional and also the adjustments to the income on on page one, where I went through what could be the adjustments to income. Because if you have lots of income with your business, you maybe not know that you have a SEP IRA that you can take care of, or you have a traditional IRA going on, or some other kind of adjustment that can be done regarding the IRA deduction and the HSA that you can uh, actually do. So I guess I just wanted to keep it simple. I just went through the whole 1040 with you guys. And if you have any questions, um, you can always call my office. My firm name is Sandu CPAs PLLC. I'm situated there in Garland and I will have, um, I'll be happy to assist. You can call, make an appointment or just visit our website. So thank you so much. Welcome to the studio, Raj. Um, it's very nice to have you today here on my show with Tax Bites with Poonam. And um, I think we have known each other for the longest time and it's been about two years, the association, and he's my client. Um, and he, today, he's gonna actually discuss about financial planning and also, I think more than that. And he has uh, educated a lot of people and he has a huge team and been very successful uh, in maintaining and actually doing so. so Welcome to the studio, Raj. How are you Thank doing you today? Thank you, Kunam,
1: for uh, that warm welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a great journey mm-hmm. since we have met and we have helped a lot of families uh, together. Yes. Now, in the industry, right, there are three kind of people uh, uh, in the financial industry, right? Mainly CPA, mm-hmm. like you are helping families with their current taxes. Mm-hmm. Then there are financial professionals like me who help in planning their money to identify all the risks, cover all the risks in life, okay. and then there are financial advisors who show investments. And all the three three portfolios are really important when it comes to uh, money. Right. But uh, when it comes to financial planning, right, there are three important major risks uh, of life. Right. So if we die too soon, it's mm-hmm. one of the very important risks. Correct. Uh, the other risk is if we live too long, because with all the medical advancements, we know life expectancy is growing, and uh, we will need a lot of money in retirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third one is, uh, you know, if we are disabled, if we are not able to work. So that, those are three major risks uh, we, uh, in our life. And uh, what as a financial professional we do, we help you uh, in planning your money in a way that if life happens, uh, 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 and we all know, right, life right. is uncertain. We passed through COVID and we have seen uh, life happening. So if su- such uh, events happen, how is our family protected? How, is, mm-hmm. how are things taken care of? Right. So that's where uh, we come in the picture. Um,
0: so that's interesting. So I guess when we were talking earlier before beginning the show, I guess you were talking about the financial house and you explained to me how that kind of works and how everybody should actually be maintaining that so would you please elaborate that on a little bit for our viewers
1: so financial house is a very important uh, concept actually in the financial industry um to explain uh, in simple layman words say when we build a house uh, we lay down the foundation which is really strong then we build columns then we build beams and uh, we raise walls and we put on roof right so right. There, there's a proper sequence we follow to build a house. Mm-hmm. Now, similar sequence is required when it comes to a proper plan. Yeah. Now, we all know that, you know, people like to plan, but there is no enough hand holding. Right. And we also know that if we plan properly, then we know exactly what is coming to us. Right. right. So uh, when it comes to a financial house, right, we need to have proper foundation, right. um, which is like having a proper protection. right? right which is if uh, things happen life is uncertain if a disability hits or a death happens and there is an income loss how is family taken care of in that condition mm-hmm. and uh, we all know right like we have seen life is uncertain so that's the first step of a proper financial house then you know pro- planning proper emergency fund uh, building assets uh, tax-free assets um, majorly then, then uh, people uh, like invest in risk and all. So there is a step-by-step process to building a proper financial house. Okay. Now, we all earn uh, money, right? We are very good at it. But when it comes to saving money, unless we know these steps, we cannot plan our money properly. Correct. People are somewhere between lost and found. That's mm-hmm. what I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. if they don't have proper handholding.
0: Right. So what I come what I come across with my clients is sometimes they ask, okay, you know, where can we invest? We have this money. We really don't want to do the, you know, real estate investment. What exactly we can do so that our retirement is better, you know, because most of the time now we are earning. But what about the future? They want to put money where they can have that tax-free when they are actually retired. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, so retirement is one important uh, plan people need to understand mm-hmm. where we are getting uh, to, like a lot of people I see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going uh, into retirement blindfolded. Exactly, right? exactly. And uh, there is no proper hand holding there. Now, most of the people I see are planning their retirement in 401ks or IRAs, right? right. But there are three main tax buckets mm-hmm. that people are not aware of that One is tax now where you earn an income and you pay taxes. Certain amount of money, people defer taxes. They put in tax later bucket. Mm -hmm. And then the third strategy is a tax advantage bucket. Now each bucket has its own pros and cons. Now, if you want to plan a retirement, if you are in a tax later bucket, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is you're not paying taxes right now, but you are deferring taxes. So when you withdraw, your own money in retirement, you you have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Now imagine today we are earning right. and we are not okay to pay taxes or we have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. But if we are retired and if we don't have enough income that time and we have to pay taxes.
0: Exactly. It, it will
1: be such such a painful, and I know you could be meeting a lot of clients of that I kind am. who I are am. retired, who have to file taxes and mm-hmm. pay taxes, right? right. right. So uh, to properly plan your money in a way, that you not only op- save taxes, but you optimize taxes, overpaying the taxes. This is what we do, that we optimize taxes. Okay. Now, there are four things we have to do with the money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One is like, obviously we want to earn money, but we also want to grow money. We want to grow it faster. And then whatever growth we made, we want to s- save as much taxes as possible. Right. Now, if your money is diversified in the tax advantage bucket, mm-hmm. where you don't have to worry about the taxes, then you pay $0 in taxes.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. But then, you know how some people are very hesitant into, okay, you know, what do I do? Why do I put this, lots of my money now, which would I have an advantage? Would it build up? Would it grow for me? Or how will it grow? You know, the cash value of it, would I be able to take it out if I need it? Or am I stuck? So no. those are the questions that... Right, so basically,
1: uh. We already saw that there are three tax buckets. Similarly, right. when it comes to investment, right? Mm-hmm. There are three investment strategies on a broader level. Right. The first is a fixed strategy.
0: Right.
1: Where there is no gain, but you don't lose money. It's like a two or three percent gain, like you get in a savings account. Right. 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 But you know uh, there is a very important rule, rule of seventy-two, which Albert Albert Einstein has given, mm-hmm. uh, that if you divide seventy-two by rate of return. It will give you approximate number of years it takes to double your money. Nice. It's called the magic of compounding. Right. 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 So if you are getting a fixed return like a two or three percent, it will take uh, a very long time to double your money. Right. Now, second strategy is a variable strategy, mm-hmm. where it's market driven, right. like a four hundred one k or a stock market or a mutual fund or five twenty nine plans or uh, you know Roth IRA. Or m- most of the uh, retirement accounts are basically uh, tied to the variable market, where you could end up losing money. Now, we all know, right, Uh, money, uh, when it uh, crashes, like say 40% crash, we have seen multiple times, right? Right. If you have $100 and it crashes by 40%, you get $60 in your account, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now for that $60 to go back to $100, it has to grow, consistently say at 8%, it will take six long years right. to really uh, come back to normal, right? And we all know every six to eight years, there is a market downturn that happens. Right. So by the time you would have recovered your money, the market's already crashed again. Correct. So you are never going to actually grow money. And the second a uh, very big uh, thing which people forget is what is your entry point and exit, exit point exactly. in a variable strategy mm-hmm. right can you really uh, uh, do you really have a crystal ball to predict the market mm-hmm. so th- that's a variable strategy and the third strategy is the index strategy okay. now in index strategy uh, which is also uh, which gives a down market protection that mm-hmm. it, it grows with the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get all the success of the market. Mm-hmm. But when the market crashes, mm-hmm. you don't lose money. Okay. Now, how powerful that can be! That see, uh, they all we uh, all uh, in this strategy we say zero is the hero. Right. Not losing money is the biggest advantage actually. Right. So when market crashes like a 40 percent, if you are stay put and if you are not losing money. That, that that helps you grow the money faster in in, in the long run okay. right okay. so most of the products which we sell right mm-hmm. the uh, or we offer to the clients uh, where
0: clients invest their
1: money uh, right they grow in the index strategy
0: okay so what actually is in the index strategy as in um what kind of products is it is it would you elaborate a little bit? Is yeah.
1: it? So there are uh, a lot of uh, uh, very powerful companies, right? Okay. Like AIG, North American, Fidelity Guarantee. These are like 150-plus uh, year old companies, most mm-hmm. of them, right? Mm-hmm. And they offer this. have been offering this strategy for past 25 years, okay. right? Since 1997, these strategies in the industry. But a lot of people don't know. Now what they do, they use a concept called capital protection. Okay. It's a very broad concept, like a lot of technicalities uh, to it, but understand what they do is they invest most of your portfolio in fixed returns assets, uh, which yield them enough returns to protect your capital. And the rest of it, they uh, put in the options uh, uh, market where they uh, get good returns. And we have already seen, right? Like in 10 years, we have one market crash, but nine other years, they are kind of earning the money. Okay. Right, which uh, which is enough to give you good returns.
0: Okay, so that is how you don't lose money, but it kind of grows and you know it's protected. So, what exactly do they have to do to invest in it, the viewers? Would you would Correct. you tell
1: us? So the, uh So, uh, index strategy, you cannot go and buy in the industry. Okay. Right, okay. like a, it's not an index fund mm-hmm. like s and P five hundred or Pimco or several others. Mm-hmm. These are tied up with. Uh, insurance products or annuities oh, okay. actually okay now life insurance products right mm-hmm. people use it as an investment vehicle right see life insurance earlier was a death benefit product that's but I'm today concerned. it's a living benefit product so when when it comes to our wealth mm-hmm. protecting our wealth is very important Correct. and that's where uh, the living benefits come in the picture
0: okay but see I have also come across questions where they are like they're hesitant to invest in that they're like, okay, why would I invest in the life insurance? What, you know, is it is it a beneficial for me? How about the cash value? Would it build up? Would I be able to take the money out if I need it? So would you address that? I think that's the main a focus and that's what prevents some people to not take it when it's beneficial for them.
1: Right, you know? so like I said, right, mm-hmm. life insurance, the first and primary reason is a death benefit Right. that you get uh, dollars for pennies. You pay pennies and you get dollars back, right. right? Right. So that is the first reason people invest in a life insurance product. Right. But life insurance has a lot of different advantages. Like people plan their tax-free retirement. Right. Now there is a IRS tax code IA 7702 given to life insurance companies mm-hmm. where all the payouts are tax-free.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Like say, a uh, death benefit is a tax-free, right. a living benefit, so if there is a critical, chronical terminal illness that happens, you can take advantage of a tax-free income from that. Now, the other reason, right, is people plan college financial planning in life insurance products. Earlier, people used 529 plans, right. but 529 plans are tied up, are market-driven, mm-hmm. right? You could end up losing money but if you apply proper strategies investment strategies to a life insurance product and design it properly then you can u- use it as an investment uh, for college financial planning right. now the best part of this is it's a hidden asset in right. your portfolio right if if the kids try to run an application this won't show up as an investor investment and and if kids are uh, your kids are like um, running for a scholarship, a scholarship right? right in that case uh, this will not show up and they could uh, you know, uh, take advantage of the scholarship. So your money is secured. Right. Now, if you are in a 529 plan, it will show up as an investment and the kids might not qualify for scholarship the scholarship. So that's the second uh, very important reason mm-hmm. when it comes to college financial planning. Now estate planning can be done through life insurance product. Now, what is estate planning? Say so there are uh, high high net worth individuals, right? right We work hard for our life, we build wealth. right Now are we building wealth? for our closed ones or to pay to IRS, right? Is the question. Right. And how to secure uh, your investments or your assets from IRS. So uh, high net worth individuals use this uh, in estate planning mm-hmm. to protect their assets from taxes, right? The next one, a uh, very important uh, use of life insurance is business exit cri- uh, strategies, okay. right? Like uh, there are partnership firms, and uh, people start businesses with lot of uh, enthusiasm but they don't they plan they fall
0: apart yes. Yeah, they don't
1: plan for exit criteria so if right. suppose a, a partner passes away right. how is the company going to pay the surviving spouse you know right. is a question right. so we plan li- uh, the e- exit criteria using life insurance products
0: okay right okay.
1: and last but not the least like uh, we build wealth using a life insurance product
0: okay that's very well said. Thank you so much, Raj. And I guess if somebody wants to, you know, plan their future, wants to do a fin- financial planning, wants to do a college planning for the kids, wants to do a retirement planning in the future, wants to get more information on life insurance products for living benefits. They are more than welcome to reach Raj or to me directly through me, Sandhu CPS website. And I'll be happy to connect them to Raj which uh, his full name is Rajinder Loda. And I guess you can actually benefit a whole lot. So thank you for coming on the studio, Raj. It was very- Thank you so
1: much for this opportunity. I'm very excited to talk to you all.
0: Most welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you.